Brent, it hasn't even been a month. Like, we're actually doing a little bit better. <laughs> Are we? Has it been a month? It, it, not quite. I think our last episode came out at the beginning of September. So, this might be the beginning of October. Who knows? It's definitely a month. Spook season. Two months. Three months. Help me to recollect. Yeah, no shit. Uh, I believe that we had said that the past seven months really haven't had um, any any measure of time. Yeah. Time is liquid. Everything's all happened at once. Yeah, and which is... Not at all happened. Yeah, very uh, conducive to today's topic, the film Color Out of Space. Uh, what non-Euclidean geometry has the year 2020 been? Well... We all know the answer to that. Yeah, but I mean, we're all fucking living it right now, fella. Whatever the fucking square root of fucking bullshit <laughs> is, it's it's 2020. No. Yes. So, uh, aside from everyone else's hardships, as I'm sure there have been a plenty, it is a cornucopia of fuck, <laughs> and we're here to bring you uh, something very fun and semi-new to enjoy. Uh, this is my second viewing. I think this would be, what, your fifth, sixth? Something like that. We we watched it. We were going to do an episode yes. uh, back in March. Yeah, or February. Who knows? Junuarinchen. You and know, then, like, that month. We watched it and then just kind of, like, chilled instead. Yeah, we chilled and then we woke up and found out that, oh yes, the world is indeed on the brink of collapse. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see you after we both shave our heads. <laughs> and we, uh, I think we that was the day uh, that we both got out of our caves and we went for a hike. Yeah. Uh, we turned to nature. Yeah, that's, uh, that's really what we did. Um, yeah, wow, what a fucking crazy year i think that it's kind of fun that we're, we're coming back to this and uh i gotta tell you man cosmic horror as well as the autumnal equinox really reawakens my creative energy good and um it just it gets me in the right headspace i really fucking love cosmic horror so i was really excited to do this i was excited back in march <laughs> i'm still excited to me it literally feels like that was three weeks ago uh, again, time is literally liquid, so you could pour it from one cup to the other, and it remains the same. Uh, pour it back and forth, it's still the same amount of time, yet it feels like there's less. That was my try at like an Xavier Renegade Angel <laughs> uh, explanation of how time works. Such is life. life and life. time. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, Color Out of Space, uh, in my opinion, this film is a fantastic adaptation to a pretty spooky short. Um, kind of uh, important to note, Colorado Space was a short written by H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, which was actually adapted by Hugo Gernsback. Uh, I can't remember the name of the short story that he had written, um, but the, the story overall just kind of shifts and changes, uh, between the two authors. This adaptation, uh, also takes its own kind of, um, feeling kind of mutates into its own story, which honestly is for the best. Uh, yeah. originally color out of space was, uh, written in the early 1900s. I can't remember the exact date as it was, uh, I believe, Originally, Hugo Gernsback's story was printed in, like, a news-from-tomorrow style of uh, sci-fi mm -hmm. column. 
and then uh you gotta see it to believe it yeah and then um adapted into essentially a novel of short stories written by hp lovecraft which funny enough let's let's take a let's take a moment to talk about the uh rather shitty human being that he was just yeah. briefly let's acknowledge that yeah we're going to acknowledge that and i because i think it is really important um and it's one of the reasons why i don't say that i like lovecraftian mythology or the I, mythos i think uh i think i think all we can say all that really needs to be said is yes. uh, don't look up what he named his cat and i think you'll get all you need to know yeah uh and he was uh also very anti-semitic and married a jewish girl um, and then continued anti-Semitic comments, uh, more or less, to jab at her. Um, yeah, be some kind of piece of shit to do that. Yeah, uh, I think we can also find solace in knowing that he died at the early age of, I believe, somewhere between 40 and 43, uh, alone and impoverished, uh, living in Providence, where he spent most of his life. Um, staring at the sea, which caused him a great deal of fear, uh, which was also kind of where he got a lot of the uh, inspiration for his, you know, terror from the depths, the unknown horrors that lurk below, uh, all that shit. Um, it has to be said that a lot of the cosmic horror that did come from him is incredibly popular today. Uh, I don't really think that it's necessarily married to the the person. Um, it's taken on its own life now. Yeah, I do really hate to see uh, the rather romanticized um, pictures of, of him. You know, like the shadowed... It's usually like the shadowed facade of Lovecraft while one side is like somewhat tentacly and elder <laughs> mythos up and then the other side is like literally him. It's like, no, we can go I ahead and... I have seen that. <laughs> I, I've seen it many times over um i'm happy to see like his face is more or less removed from say like uh compilations of his stories and it's like it's fine you can go and buy the books with his fucking name on it he's not trying to think of his face but i keep imagining buster keaton instead that guy's cool buster keaton is really cool and uh a lot more handsome than this guy he had a very sharp skinny angular face he had uh, apparently a very high-pitched voice (laughs) uh there's no recordings of his voice but pretty much everyone that knew him was like yeah it was actually uh quite oddly high-pitched he was about five foot six ben shapiro yeah uh pretty much that fucking guy and there were no whaps around him <laughs> i'd uh, say hypothetically that <sighs> something did come from the deep <laughs> yeah and it's uh it, i don't know i just feel like it's really important to kind of acknowledge that i mean i'm staring at this uh cthulhu uh painting that i've got on my wall right there like nautical themes and stuff i have beautiful etching. uh yeah thank you <laughs> um i also have uh a lot of um kind of inspiration drawn from cosmic horror and a lot of writing that i do i even have the imagination yeah and uh i also have various collections of the tales of the cthulhu mythos and elder mythos and you know his collected short stories i think it's worth mentioning though he did have um, a pretty good like uh philosophy on like horror storytelling yeah and that like you know Humans are afraid of the unknown. Yes. Don't explain anything. The more you explain, the less there is to be afraid of. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of why I, I really enjoy that, I think. When it comes to something scary, the most unimaginable, unfathomable 
just kind of uh, unpredictable thing can be the most terrifying. And he did that really well. It's, it's we, I mean, I'm sure like most people back then, like if we you know met them and had a conversation with them today, would they just be alien to us? Yeah. Um, it's it's their beliefs would just make us sick. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's kind of a weird thing though. It's like these people, they were horrible. Yeah. By today's standards, you know, could also do great things. Right. I mean, it's... In terms of, like, you know... Yeah, like, we had been watching a lot of uh, Atun Shea films, and, like, mm-hmm. he talks a lot about that. Like, oh, yeah, these people that did great things, also, questionable. Yeah, like, <laughs> At best. Kind of pieces of shit, too. <laughs> and, you know, that's, that's the important thing about moving forward. And as we uh, enjoy pieces of media that are either based on or from... A different time it's important to remember uh the people that they were and to try and separate I, I think that that's something that we've said many times i think when it comes to people who are you know dead now and have been dead forever then yeah you can you can separate yeah i guess on a case-by-case basis right i'm not gonna i'm not gonna talk about mind comps uh literary right merit, but exactly um it's not that i've ever read it but you know oh, i guess that's yeah. one i I, I think uh, I don't think you should separate the art from the artist in that case. Yeah, in before that I, case. Before I say something where I put my foot in my mouth, I think I'll just end it. Right, there. exactly. There's obvious there's obvious lines that you don't cross. Yeah. Uh, this is something uh, that's highly prevalent in pop culture nowadays, and it was ten years ago, and it will likely continue to be high pop culture for decades to come. Uh, and kept alive by people like Richard Stanley uh, with these fantastic adaptations like this Color Out of Space, um, which he has said is going to be the first of three movies, um, which I believe he is going to be doing um, uh, Dunwich Horrors and possibly uh, um, either Mouth of Madness uh, or one of the other kind of tales which it would be interesting to see him pick something up that hasn't been done yet. Both of those have actually had adaptations. John in the Carpenter, past. yeah, did it in um, Mouth Madness. Yes, and there's actually a fucking plethora of really fun Easter eggs as far as the mythos goes, and Carpenter's films. Uh, not just, um, I believe he did Mouth of Madness, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, throughout the film i don't know if it was lovecraft based but there was a prince of darkness prince of yes the prince of darkness uh i don't think it was but i haven't i don't think i've seen it um so i can't specifically say but uh yeah i mean like this is something where if you are a fan of the mythos you could watch and see so many cool things going on um yeah, there's there's a lot. Uh, not to mention the fact that, honestly, the film itself is just really great. Oh, yeah. um, which I think at this point would be a perfect time to, to get into uh, the film itself. Um, as I said before, it's pretty great adaptation to the short. I guess to get the obvious out of the way, yeah. uh, in the film you can quantify the color. Yes, <laughs> I yes. mean it's like a purplish pink. Though I was reading something very fun yeah. about that color. So Richard Stanley had decided on the color magenta. Mm-hmm. Now whether he really did pour <laughs> spoilers, by yeah, the way. I'm just uh, kidding. Yeah, whether he did truly pour 
some research into the color choice or not kind of stands to be known as I couldn't find anything of him actually saying as much, but magenta is a really weird color actually. Mm -hmm. So it is a strange amalgam of red, green, and blue, you know, our, our base spectrum. And the way that magenta is, it's perceived by us as magenta in our brains but it does not actually appear magenta, uh, you know, naturally anywhere. And it is actually outside this uh, normal spectrum of color. And is in fact like outside of like our Roy G. Biv. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's very... Um, Roy G. Bim. Yes. It's, <laughs> it's very much so... Uh, I mean, it's not even present, I guess what I'm trying to say, in, in a prism. Okay. In a prism of color. So it's not in light. Yeah. So it's, it is indeed actually a color out of space. It is a created color, uh, some sort of synthetic color that we are able to perceive with our minds and not our eyes, if that makes any sense to you. So it is, it's actually kind of a fun, fun idea, you know, to choose magenta. So what else would it be then? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it kind Blue. of stands... It's, I doubt it. I doubt it. Uh, and, not likely. You know, kind of thankful for like not having a translucent, you know, sparkly thing. Yeah. You know, like some unimaginable, unseeable color. Um, yeah, it's... it's they, just, meh. they do the thing, um, like from Pulp Fiction, when they open the briefcase. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, it's golden in Pulp Fiction, but you don't know what it right. is. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I believe that Tarantino's gone on record that it was literally nothing, and it yeah. was just a light. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's just like, yeah, you're. it's never supposed to mean anything as to what's in the briefcase, just that, you know, something's there. As David Lynch would say, accept the mystery. Mm -hmm. Which is, in part, what you have to do with any mythos story. Um, though in Color Out of Space, being able to actually see a, I'm going to call it a quantifiable and recognizable color, um, allows us to give some sort of persona to the uh, entity that has invaded the Gardner farm. Um, and so it's just like, <sighs> kind of a tried and true, I guess, alien story. Cause we have, we have a meteorite that comes crashing down. And then things just get stranger and stranger until it just gets unrecognizably fucked up. Yeah. Which is honestly perfect for a mythos story. Yeah. yeah. Um, like pretty much just go mad and eat each other up. Yeah, yeah. Um, some of the some of the fun things that I did want to kind of uh, make sure were kind of pointed out in the podcast as far as um, the movie goes, there were very very big nods that we might see in the future from Richard Stanley. Hopefully, um, hopefully he's a cool fucking director. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's another thing that I'd like you to kind of just kind of touch on as well. Uh, so real quick, I'll get through my bit. Um, things that we might see in the future. So though it's kind of hard, you see um, the daughter, uh, Lavinia. Lavinia. <laughs> Lavinia. Very interesting character name. Uh, she is actually named after a character from another short story, but that doesn't fucking matter. She is a practicing Wiccan. Um, and her her spells and things like that are all kind of knots. She has this little triangle uh, 
barrette, I guess you would call yeah. it, um, in her hair. And um, this is actually a nod to what is called non-Euclidean geometry. Uh, shapes that are otherwise, I guess, blasphemous? <laughs> blasphemous shapes? Cool. Uh, like triangles, like rectangles, and then just like shapes that would be like, um, oh man, how to explain a uh, loop with uh, 3D, it's like four-dimensional shapes. Um so triangles are also a symbol of power, hence pyramids, so on and so forth. Basically like a tool album liner notes? Yes. Uh, so the triangle is actually very prevalent in pretty much all of anything that's mythos. All of tool, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, tool. Control. <laughs> the fucking board is a giant upside down pyramid. You remember that? I mean, it's it's all over the place, and it's like constantly like, you know, talking at you in weird tones, and it's it's a symbol of power. You know, the point is the minority, the one, and then the base is the point in which you know the point directs down, so on and so forth, yada yada. Gonna have to hit you with the slow down egghead. Slow down egghead. Yeah, it's it's some goofy shit, but uh, it's something that we're going to see a lot of. And if you actually pay attention throughout the film, there's a lot of different points in which triangles show up. It rewards the attentive viewer. Yes. Um, and uh, among those uh, kind of rewards that an attentive viewer might see, you have the Necronomicon, uh, but it's like a published, yeah. you know, book. Milton Bradley's Ouija board. <laughs> which... Uh, Going off the Necronomicon, it's a book of dead names. It's so a I suppose book. the uh, the uh, undead apocalypse would be carried out by a corporate entity. Yeah, you know it would be. Of course it would be. <laughs> yeah, Milton Bradley says, "Thou art judged and found uncouth." <laughs> like there's gonna be like Amazon says like, and then just like weird like Cthulhu ramblings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then. <laughs> The tentacles of Amazon have come to beseech you. Yeah. Your package has been delivered as, like, you see, As like, so have you. Yeah. <laughs> you fold inside out into an Amazon package they and arrive at someone else's door. folded his head in half. <laughs> oh, fuck. That reminds me of a Shen comics uh, that I had pop up in my memories talking about like Amazon workers um finding other Amazon workers dead and they're just like yeah don't worry about it oh, and then yeah. later seeing them like in the shadows it's like my manager tells me not to interact with these workers and then just keep that in mind next time that you get a Amazon package that's empty but lined with salt <laughs> um you have released me <laughs> who would win apple sweatshop suicide net <laughs> or uh, Amazon piss bottle. Uh, depends if uh, the winner is supposed to take on Epic Games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's some fucking ever brown content right there. That's fucked up though. Yeah, just for real. We're gonna that's put some. Thing. We're gonna just put some nets out here in this factory window so people can't jump to their fucking death. So tell me, after you play on the death trampoline, do you go back and finish your fucking 22-hour shift? Yeah, what, shift? you think they're gonna give you paid leave? You get back in there. 
You gotta gotta get your crumpets, your, your crimbies. You gonna go talk to HR? You gonna you, you gonna they gonna give you a number for a therapist? No. We they'll, need, we they'll gotta, maybe we, add, we got phones to make, pal. Yeah, they might add some extra eye points for you to use at the commissary. <laughs> Hi, yeah, I'd like one no, eye, member. <laughs> eye fruit bar, please. I see you've been collecting hello points. <laughs> <laughs> I saved mine up to buy my wife a copy of Bird Box. <laughs> <laughs> I saved mine up to get one of those uh, protein bars from Snowpiercer that's made from all the crushed up cockroaches. I've earned my Tecate. <laughs> mm. Sorry, I'm just uh, quoting um, fucking uh, Hudson Yards, the video game by Connor O'Malley. <laughs> That is a deep cut yeah. that I'm not sure anyone will be able to fish out. That is a that is a Brent right there. <laughs> no, a lot of people people love Connor O'Malley. He's great. Um, color out of space. Yeah, man, that's where we're at. Kind of backtrack. So corporate entities will bring about the apocalypse. Yes, yes. we know. They will absolutely side with the uh, with the uh, with the uh, deep the deep ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, of course. And Richard Stanley needs to direct more films. He does. Um, and like I said, this is supposed to be the first of three. Now, it was it was kind of a long shot for a long time there. He did other films, but yeah, uh, we'll have to do more of his films because like, we'll have to watch it sometimes. It's, it used to be on like Movieplex, which yeah. I don't know how Movie many people have works. Movieplex, but Movieplex is like, let's play... Let's play Howard the Duck at yeah. three in the morning. Yeah. Let's play Ernest goes to Africa. Let's play, um, fuck. I think you see where I'm getting at here. Though. Yes. Let's play. Let's play Double Dragon the movie. Oh my god! Oh, I forgot it. Oh no! Let's play, uh, fucking. American Ninja 4. Oh, that's so fucking great. Wow. Such bangers. So Movieplex has... I believe you're getting at... William Shatner's Tech War. So you're getting at what? What is your point here with Movieplex? It plays like the forgotten, like, like Walmart... Five dollar yeah. bin trash. Yeah, five dollars for five movies well, sometimes on play, one disc. Sometimes they play hackers though, but everybody plays hackers. Right. You gotta play hackers. Right. It's universally stupid not to, as a serial killer would say. I'm surprised we haven't done hackers yet. I mean, what needs to be said? It's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's timeless. Um, but yeah, movie. <laughs> yeah. I don't really. Okay. Richard Stanley's film, The Island of Dr. Moreau, I watched on upon Movieplex. Ah. And that was just It a, comes full circle. That is just a really hor- horribly cursed movie. Yeah. yeah. It's like late stage Mar- Marlon Brando who just wanted who insisted on wearing like a moo the whole movie. And what is a moo Just a giant big man's ma- uh, man robe skirt. Man. Okay. I guess that's probably the best way I can describe it. There's probably a better way to do that, but son, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't know and then we had Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer's in it. Uh, the weather, the island itself. David Thuelis, Thuelis, the actor, he plays like the main character. Yeah. Uh, Feruza Balk's in it. Wow, yeah, 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 yeah. Kinda had like, it kind of had like a who's who of like uh, 90s yeah. actors. Um, but yeah, it, it just, it, it was, it... Oh yeah, uh, Ron Perlman's in it. Of course he is. 
Um, he would go on to be in such bangers as uh, In the Name of the King with Jason <laughs> Statham and Ray Liotta. I was remember I was playing Freedom Fighters yeah. and I was I was like sniping, you know. I was yeah. like, you gotta watch out for Russian snipers. And I remember that scene in uh, Enemy at the Gates where he tried like jumping across the roof and got like domed midair. Oh god! And yeah. then Ed Harris, Ed Harris's German sniper, got like five medals and like plus five hundred exp. Oh yeah, yeah. And then ultimately met his uh, a, untimely end after Verzelli Zaitsev's friend, the the writer man who was cucked, uh, <laughs> when he when he does the old switcheroo and catches uh, the German sniper off guard. And then he didn't I even believe get his, to use his care package. Yeah, he was gonna call it in, but I believe his final letter, <laughs> his final words were "Mein Gott," and then yeah, and you don't respawn after that. Nope. That movie had some pretty fucking great, great scenes. But I'm uh, being really turned on about, about the sex scene with uh, fucking <laughs> Rachel Weisz, because goddamn. <laughs> I remember getting really turned on about the uh, the scene where he's uh, hiding in all the corpses uh, in the fountain and timing his shots with the bombs going off. Unless that's, it was thunder. I can't remember which cool. it was. It was very, very Probably rad. bombs. Uh, and that, yep, gave me a fucking full-on mast. That was great. Uh, but yeah, anyway, um, so Richard Stanley, with that movie, he also had tried to put together uh, essentially a biopic of H.P. Lovecraft uh, called Providence. And that just, it didn't really get anywhere. He had it completely written, compiled, put together, and never got funding, nothing like that. After after The Island of Moreau... Um, it cursed him for a great many years. Actually, you know what? I believe this would mark what year twenty eight or twenty. I mean, when this came out, I guess what it was like close to twenty eight years. He did other movies. Yeah, he, uh, and he's like uncredited for uh, Island of Doctor Moreau. Mm-hmm. Um, but he did cool movies. Like uh, there's a movie called Hardware in nineteen ninety. Yeah. Um, where I mean, there's uh, among other things, uh, fucking Lemmy shows up as a taxi driver. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I guess he d- he is credited credited as the writer okay. of uh, the Island of Doctor Moreau. That's like a whole. That's that movie's got to be like a entirely different episode right there. There's a documentary about it actually, which just explains just how. I was gonna say yeah. I believe that was. if you were curious about it, you know, even if you didn't want to fucking watch the dumpster fire of a movie, there's quite a bit of fun stuff that you can look at that that has to deal with it. But yeah, that was 1996. Um, so yeah, it's it's been a minute. It has been a minute. I guess yeah, pretty close to not 28. He did other stuff like 22. Sense. But, um, yeah, I not, like maybe like, a couple shorts, maybe a movie or two. But yeah, yeah he, like, he had a lot of hard time finding funding I feel like for this a lot like a of really his projects. Good comeback for him. Yeah, uh, he had this written since like something stupid, like 2009. And he kept shopping around, like, hey, I've got this script for this H.P. Lovecraft story, and I think that it'll be really, really great. And just could not find a foothold until he ran into the fantastic fellas of SpectraVision. They know what's up. They fucking definitely know what's up. Uh, and we covered was, at least two of their movies already. Yeah, yeah, and um, I wouldn't mind checking out more. Um, Elijah Wood is just f- fucking phenomenal. Uh, 
you know, helping. Uh, I can't remember the other fellow that he he uh, started Spectrovision with. I so fucking apologize, but um, those two have put out some of my favorite movies that I've seen in quite some time in the past five years. Um, they've just, I mean, Mandy, you know, and and uh, of course, uh, giving Nick Cage, you know, somewhat titular roles is uh, is definitely needed. <laughs> this is a Nick Cage channel, if you uh, if you fucking forgot. So yeah. and god damn dude how many how many Nick Cage movies have we covered? No no. So many. There will be many many more. <laughs> um Yeah man, uh it's it's kind of uh I mean, be, this is 3 now that I can think of. Yeah, cuz we had a uh, Bad Lieutenant, Mandy, this one. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. That's criminal. We need at least 12 more. Call ourselves a Nick Cage, you know, we got three movies out of his many many yeah, dep- depending on how long you've been following a podcast for two people, you might remember in the early lore, our uh, original thumbnail for our podcast was an, a horribly photoshopped image that I had made of uh, me and Brent hanging out with Nick Cage with a black background. Um, and I, I made sure that it was just absolutely horrendously put together because, you know, <laughs> I didn't want anyone to think uh, that we were cool yeah, enough we were to be to friends like, with them. Yeah, we want to look uh, uh, aloof. Yeah, <laughs> and it was uh, Nick Cage from uh, Vampire's Kiss, if I remember right. Yeah, with that weird like, like prissy face. Yeah, it was it was good. It was good. Uh, kind of want to go back to it. Rudy, you, Alva. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Which again, fun note. Uh, Richard Stanley asked him to channel his role in Vampire's Kiss into his role of Nathan, the father here in Colorado Space. Um, which I think that he did really well because there's times where he's, you know, calm, collected, whatever. And then when he gets like fucking vivid and wild, he's like so far off the fucking deep end. And that's why that's why you got to bring the cage on. Yeah, man. Uh, when you let him just do him, it's fantastic. Um, and honestly, he I can't really see any other fucking person doing this role. Yeah. I mean, then again, I feel that way about Mandy. I mean, it would have been boring if it was somebody else. Yeah, if it was literally anybody else. Not to say, not to like disparage the other like other actors of the cast. I'm talking about the role. It has been boring. Of Father, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think that everyone else did a fantastic job as well. Oh yeah. You know, uh, the fact that we see uh, Tommy Chong as well a little bit playing as uh, Ezra the himself. Yeah, playing literally yeah as himself, but under <laughs> a different name. Uh, we obviously should probably go through the rest of the cast at this point since we've been name-dropping Nick Cage. We had uh, Jolie Richardson playing as uh, the mother named uh, Teresa. <laughs> mother Teresa. <laughs> and then um, we also had, I had mentioned the character's name before, Lavinia, uh, played by Madeline Arthur, be the daughter. And then uh, we had uh, Benny Gardner, that'd be the, the middle child, I believe. Unless he's the same age. It doesn't really say. It doesn't really matter. But uh, Brendan Meyer plays as uh, Benny. And he's kind of like... He has to do all the Charlie work Mm -hmm. on the farm. He's got to feed the alpacas, take them out, put them back and everything. And then uh, Julian uh, Hilliard, I believe. Hilliard. uh, He plays as the youngest son named Jack. And uh, if you watched um, The Haunting of Hill House, he plays as... uh, I can't remember the character's name. In the present day portion of that, uh, his character, the older 
version of the character is the drug-addled one. I can't quite remember, but he had like the big Coke bottle glasses, and he was like a triumphant return here. Yeah, meek little child. Yeah, always, always with his giant-eyed glasses for some reason. But yeah, uh, he's very cinematic quality. Yeah, and then um, our our hero, pretty much our investigator, um, the person who uncovers the the unfathomable truth of the color out of space, uh, is the character Ward Phillips, played by Elliot Knight. Um, which it didn't specifically say, I like to think that it's probably just like kind of a fucking kick in the face and make HP roll in his grave (laughs) that the hero role would be, uh, one named after him, but played by a black man. Yeah. Yeah. Plays like the, uh, learned, the learned, uh, rational man who, (laughs) you know, encounters the unknowable. And ultimately deals with it. Yeah. Uh, also, kind of funny note that I didn't really put together until afterwards and kind of looking at the production and everything like that of the film. But uh, Ward is a hydrologist and Lovecraft being terrified of water is pretty funny. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, of course, the other thing that I hadn't put together, the main character's name is Ward Phillips and HP stands for Howard Phillips. So... Again, named after him, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And then um, the other only somewhat important kind of Easter egg note that I wanted to kind of um, uh, point out was that he wears the uh, university, if I remember right, Manito- uh, Man- Mescatonic? Mescatonic, yes. The Mescatonic uh, University, which is essentially a false university that exists within Lovecraftian lore. Um, a place where people would get information on the elder mythos kind of creatures and places, whether it be Innsmouth or Rilia, uh, you know, anywhere in anything, and also where the Necronomicon likes to appear uh, <laughs> at times to different characters in Lovecraft stories. It likes to be studied there. It does like to be studied there. It wants to be picked up. It's It's basically the tone of Eternal Darkness, but... <laughs> It just picks the new uh, chosen few. Yes, chosen many. I don't. I yeah. can't remember the name. Yeah, and uh, I don't believe that you actually have to uh, say words in order to safely open the Necronomicon. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, so on and so forth. Something, something. Necktie. Ha ha ha. Uh, chainsaw hands. Anyway, um, you wish you had a chainsaw. Hand. I fucking wish. I life would be so much easier with a chainsaw <laughs> hand. Uh, how, how am I supposed to love my wife with these chainsaw hands? <laughs> Easy. You just <laughs> you just Christian bail the whole thing. Um, but yeah, uh, or I guess uh, Scarface would be another option. That's um, a cool scene. Yeah, it is. Uh, but yeah, um, I'm kind of hoping that in the brighter future ahead of us that Richard Stanley is able to bring the other two films to us and we get to see some of these nods and kind of important things kind of come to life whether it's just more mentions I would like more substantial Mm -hmm. you know what I mean like show me the Miskatonic University uh, show me the Necronomicon proper even though we kind of just had like this kind of goofy I don't know I feel like that might have been like a a misstep yeah exactly Uh, next to it is the House of Leaves by Henry Z. Daniel Whiskey 
um, you know, things, things of that nature. But, uh, yeah, there's, there's also some pretty good lines straight up just uh, about taken verbatim from the original short story, uh, that are added in great effect. Um, you get to see some really, really good, terrifying creatures that, um, I can't necessarily say are on par with the structure of, uh, practical effects that we got from you know carpenter in the thing i think they did a bit of both yeah they did a little bit of both uh good either way good either way uh at making us think and witness uh some really terrifying creatures and beings um you know definitely something that we didn't think that we would uh we would ever have to witness but uh yeah it's just overall enjoyable the the horror here is again very much so Lovecraftian in that it is unknowable, unmanageable, unfathomable, and um, seeing what little we do of what the color out of space does is effective. It feels like a disaster movie. It does, yeah. And the, I mean, like, yeah, there's no motive. Yeah, it just happened to them because that's where it landed. And yeah, it's. I mean, nothing's explained really. Yeah, and I mean, it's the end of the movie. It's just the reward being like, "Wow, glad that I that survived sucked. that." And yeah. like we see him like older. Yep. I don't know, years later. Yeah, or he was Grade. just you know <laughs> aged by the the happenings. Well, they're they're uh, alluding to like building a dam. Yep. And like we see the completed dam. Yeah. It's it's um, really well structured, I think, mm-hmm. and uh, it does have the a bit of the same taste of kind of showing us another world that uh, another film that we covered. Um, what was that a year or two ago? The Void, also a movie uh, fraught with uh, triangles. <laughs> or was that this year? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So I was, oh, I was Jesus. trying to think. The look on your face was so incredulous. I was like, oh, no. wow. <laughs> yeah, man. Again, time's just liquid. It's just liquid. <sighs> flesh is just grass. Grass is flesh. <laughs> it's okay, son. Uh, anyway, um, yeah. So when when the main character and his wife end up in the other world... Uh, through the triangle after knocking you know their version of uh, pinhead <laughs> through through the triangle stopping the ritual uh, hopefully anyway Maybe. you know we get to see this this alien world and we get a slight view of that during the film um, and it, it is a fucking kind of terrifying landscape um, completely alive like a living planet much like the planet ego Um and, you know, having a, a marker, like a dead space-shaped kind of figure <laughs> that they uh, blend into uh, a different symbol that is uh, prevalent to the character of Lavinia, we'll say, without giving any spoilers. Which is an Elder Futhark rune, uh, which I would only know uh, because I decided runes were cool, like, <laughs> last year and started studying those. And that rune is um i believe like home hearth and like haven <laughs> which i thought was very strange 
originally because there's runes for protection and stuff like that. She, you know, used it in the way that she did. And then it turns out, like, did this get used against her or was it just kind of all for naught? Who knows? Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Or was it like, yes, home, your <laughs> new home. Uh, and it is, it is, uh, it is really cool. Promise. Yeah. It was really cool what she was uh, kind of um, beholden to. And uh, honestly, like that last 23 minutes of the film are fucking splendid. Oh, yeah. So if you feel like it's slow at first, honestly, there's parts of the movie where it's a, it's a it's smidge of disturbing. A, disturbing. Yeah. Disturbing. Disturbing, concerning, disconcerting. <laughs> All <laughs> um, those words. Yeah, it's, it is everything. I think that it's honestly just a, a really fantastic, again, just a really fantastic adaptation to a shitty, racist piece of shit's work <laughs> that uh, would have otherwise been completely forgotten. And with with the delicate care and fantastic directorial work by Richard Stanley and acting portions done by the actors and actresses of the film, uh, we get to enjoy it and are able to separate it from Lovecraft itself and himself rather, uh, wherever he may be rotting (laughs) in the ground, which I am sure is somewhere near the ocean or I hope it is. Heck. Heck. I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, um, just, just really, uh, fantastic stuff. Um, Oh, you know what? Another fun thing that, uh, uh, Jolie Richardson, I Mm -hmm. think it is. Uh, she played as the main character and only surviving cast member, or no, one of three, maybe, uh, in the movie Event Horizon with Lawrence Fishburne, which is another fantastic, whoa, holy fuck, this turned out to be a Mythos movie. Nice. Yeah. Um, they say that, like, you know, it, it reached the edge of space and went to hell and immediately came back and the ship was sentient and alive and everything and all that terrifying shit. Uh, pretty fucking great. Um, but yeah, she uh, she actually lives at the end of that and then there's a really terrifying cliffhanger ending. Um, but yeah, kind of a kind of a fun thing. The mythos again, like I said, are just kind of they're everywhere and they tend to just kind of like pop up when you least expect it. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. oh, this is this is almost fucking uh, elder mythosy cosmic horror that I didn't realize was going to happen. That's something I'm going to have to remove from my uh, from my vocabulary is Lovecraftian. <laughs> it's a uh, this far too far too bad. And uh, I enjoy things that don't necessarily have to do with Cthulhu because it's been done so many times in writing. Anyway, we've never yeah. really seen Cthulhu himself in a in a film he's in the beginning uh, the intro of rick and morty uh eat my ass it's like pluck my eye out with a tweezer oh god that would oh blah, 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 blah. don't need this anymore <laughs> may the rats eat your <laughs> eyes yeah so it's uh it's it's pretty fun uh good movie yeah um Honestly, start to finish, like I said, it's a bit of a roller coaster. There's some slow points. There's some points in which it gets super fucking insane. And then the last 23 minutes are so goddamn fucked that, yeah, you're you're going to be you're going to be very much so intrigued with everything. I think anyway, um, as you can tell, and from the uh, amount 
at which I've been talking. <laughs> I, uh, I enjoyed myself in this second viewing. Now, Brent, like I said, uh, almost at the top of this episode, you've seen this about five or six times. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you, uh, how, how do you, uh, how do you see this movie? How do you view it? What do you consider it? <laughs> see, this is, this is where I'm tasked with either sounding, um, pedantic, smart or philosophical. Okay. When in reality, all I got me right now is, uh, it slaps. It rocks. It slaps. That's safe. <laughs> That's safe. It's not controversial at all. It's pretty Zoomer of you. Yeah, it makes me want to... When we were watching it again, it just makes me want to see a boomer shooter where Nick Cage is bunny hopping around ma- maps with a double-barreled shotgun shooting uh, just unknowable, horrific Horrors. beasts. Yeah. Flesh, flesh beasts. You know, that's that's the Brent I know and love. Right there. That's that's an idea that could have only been birthed from the Brent zone, the Brentscape. Uh, I need a show on the sci-fi channel called The Brentscape. <laughs> <laughs> sci-fi, if you're listening. Pick yeah, me up. let's talk S-Y-F-Y. about this. S-Y-F-Y. Yeah. I'll spell it however the fuck you want it. Swy-Spies. Sci-Fi? Sci-Fi? Sci-Fi. But uh, yeah, you know it's it's, it's a great movie. Yeah, and it's an excuse to watch uh, Nick Cage, you know, lose his shit. Right. Which is probably like the most like normy thing to say about Nick Cage watching him lose his shit when you could be saying that he's always been a great actor. And honestly, some of those scenes too. While I'm thinking about it, like where the the color is so fucking vivid, and like their farm ends up kind of looking like it's on a different planet. Uh-huh. Um, this film, the the Blu-ray version. Does have a 4K UHD Blu-ray version? I want to see that. Yeah, I want to see those scenes in that 4K. Sadly, with COVID going on and being on and off with work and how fun that is, I haven't been able to buy, say, a UHD television. <laughs> <laughs> so I've I've been rocking this Samsung plasma TV that I got after I uh, left my job at Best Buy, where I sold them all day. And it's uh it's gotten me by, it uh it helps me play the games. It's a good TV. It's yeah it's uh it's got a little bit of a uh, ghosting happening happening here and there. It's, she's old, but she's it's getting by. Being sucked into the color portal. It is where it's like you're seeing multiple aspects of it in time. Yeah. <laughs> yes, my cell phone's doing the same thing. A little screen burn with the uh, with the keyboard here and there as our electronics are. Not long for this world. <laughs> Neither yeah. are we. The planned obsolescence. Yes, of course. But uh, yeah, I would say that if you if you do have uh, 4K capability, you should definitely try and check this film out in that. I didn't really notice anything super substantial or crazy that was done with the sound design uh, with a, a 5.1 surround sound setup. You're watching it pretty quiet, though. Yeah, we were fairly quiet with it. Uh, I think we were averaging around like negative 30 decibels um i think i started at like negative 20 but uh there there are some loud portions uh, i don't know i guess i could say that the audio mixing could use a little little more a little more oomph maybe some more uh, creepy ambiance or something like that um you know, but, you're uh, talk about the insane high-pitched screeching throughout the entire movie uh, yeah <laughs> yeah i mean like i guess more like ominous ambiance rather than like uh jarring cool when it's there oh yeah yeah the soundtrack's fantastic they kind of you'll hear the song 
Yeah, you'll you'll hear it. Uh, it was probably already played, and it'll likely, likely again. play again. Yeah, um, it it definitely gave me some fucking feelings of uh, going back to uh, portions of Mandy uh, towards um, the end when it's just kind of like him losing his fucking mind, driving through the endless forest. Yeah. Um, but also just kind of hanging out at the uh, intro screen the the start menu for um eternal darkness sandy's requiem sandy's sandy's you know sandy uh it could have used more dum dum i like the uh options music for eternal darkness yeah that's just a good ass song right there right give me a 10 hour loop of that yeah this uh this movie also could have used more like random knocking (laughs) (laughs) Maybe a, maybe an old telephone going off. A detective being like, I've never seen anything like this in my 20 years on the force. Or however long he was on the force. Right. We uh, couldn't check any of the dental records because you ain't got no head. Fantastic. Thank you, sir. Um, yeah. I, you know, after we did our Eternal Darkness episode, I do got to say that some of the magic of Eternal Darkness has kind of been lost on me. Just because I fucking hate I, I can't remember what his fucking name is the guy who originally came up with that like he just oh yeah yeah just nah i don't even give a fuck and it's like it's been so long what is it 17 years 17 18 years yeah yeah <laughs> we're not getting anything it's about as uh likely as beyond good and evil 2 <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's never coming um but yeah, uh, I sure hope that we see more from Richard Stanley, especially uh, getting the the other two films of this uh, supposed trilogy that he's trying to give us. I would I would love that very it. much, and um, you know I, I hope that he's able to continue working with Spectre Vision because those guys just fucking slam, dude. Uh, we should watch more Spectre Vision films for sure. Yes, and. Um, that reminds me, uh, yeah. I believe Spectre Vision is putting out Possessor. Okay. I think. I might be wrong. I might be wrong. I'm, I'm just, I think it's just wishful thinking. But, uh, yeah. That That's probably a movie that's going to get covered, though. I actually don't know much about it. Other than, uh, I guess it's coming out uh, we'll watch a trailer in a go. couple days. On October 2nd. So that's exciting. We got Scene Bean. He's probably gonna die immediately. No, never. And we got a, we got a. It's a Cronenberg. It's a Cronenberg. Oh, good lord! It's a Cronenberg. Yeah, color out space. You got anything else to say? No, man. Uh, I think that uh, overall, I I said uh, what I said. I said a lot of things. You know. Yeah. I'm uh, I gotta say, it's an exciting film. I'm always excited for cosmic horror. It did not disappoint. Um, I really hope that other people that really like Cosmic Horror see this film and enjoy it fully. I believe it's uh, just recently got added to Shudder. No shit. Well, then, absolutely. You fucking should go and check out Shudder anyway. Um, And while you're there, you can watch Veronica. Yeah. Glenn Danzig. Mm Mm-hmm. Glenn Danzig. Yeah, mother that's something and, we'll have to cover too, I think. Oh yeah, I'm I'm down. I'm down. I'm always uh, I'm always here to fucking throw gasoline in a match on a fucking dumpster. I'll tell you this: it gets thrown around a lot, um, but it's uh, horror's answer to the room. 
Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. On that note, I think we're done. Yeah, I think, I think so too. Call that one. Put, take that one out of the oven. And put it in front of you. Uh, don't eat the mutant tomatoes. Uh, don't try to take the jellyfish out of your uh, out of your shower. And fix the fucking router. And fix the fucking router. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.